Hello, and welcome to Spectology, the science fiction book club podcast. I'm your host, Adrian. And I'm Lydia. And each month on Spectology, well, <laughs> up until the pandemic, each month on Spectology, we pick a, bu- pick a book, read it, and talk about it over the course of two episodes. Uh, the last couple of months have been a little bit spotty, but we are back at it again here with our post-read episode of The Lesson by Cadwell Turnbull. Um, it has been, yeah, I mean, I think this was, I forget, did you suggest this one or did I suggest this as like one of several options? You gave me like a list of five and I picked this one. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And, uh, you know, the voice you're hearing our co-host or guest co-host this month is Lydia, a friend of mine from Homer, Alaska, where she is recording from now. Um, Lydia gave a little bit longer intro, but do you want to like intro yourself really briefly right now, uh, in the pre-read? Sure. Yeah. I'm uh, Lydia. I'm Adrian's friend from high school. I live up in Homer, Alaska, and I started a little science fiction book club up here, um, which has been awesome. And I guess, uh, yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. I've, I've joined a few times and was like, you know, Matt had to take the month off and I was like, Ooh, let's get Lydia on to talk about sci-fi stuff. So yeah, this was a fun book. Um, usually the way we do these post reads, uh, it's spoilers from the very beginning all the way through. So you don't need to like worry about, you know, censoring anything you're going to say in regards to like plot type stuff of the book. You know, that's what if anyone's new this month, like that's what the pre-read episode we already record an episode that's kind of like context for the book and, and non-spoilery stuff. But um, yeah, I'm curious what you thought of it. I just finished reading it and I know, you know, like we haven't talked about it really since. So I'm cur- very curious what you thought. Yeah. So, I mean, I liked it for sure. Uh, It was a little different than what I expected. It was interesting because I read it almost at the same time, like I was switching back and forth between this book and Lagoon by Nnedi Okorafor, Mm. which is um, alien invasion in Lagos. We were reading that for book club. And in a way, they're like trying to do some of the same things, uh, but they are so completely different. Um and if I had to choose one I liked better, I think it would be this one. But um, oh, interesting. Yeah, it was. I think this one, the writing, I I really liked. I think his his writing was really like there were a lot of little details mm-hmm. about like birds singing, and it like really brought you to the place. It also was a little underwhelming in some ways. So I think that would be my critique: is that like like not enough happened, or there wasn't enough detail, or something. Mm-hmm. Um. But I but I did like it and it was surprising, which is always the best thing about a book. Nice. Yeah, I also I actually I really enjoyed it. I I will admit I read literally the entire thing today, Um, (laughs) which is possible because it's not that long of a book. Um, Quick read. Yeah, it was a very quick read. And I found myself this is not the first time I have read an entire science fiction book the day I am (laughs) recording an episode or the day before. And um this was maybe the easiest time I've had doing that, though. It was an absolute like breeze to read, both in terms of being like, you know, page turnery without being like overly heavily heavy handed by that. Sometimes like overly plotty books can get really page turnery, but then you need to like actually set them down. It gets to be too much. This like I always wanted to read more, but also like didn't get exhausted by it. Um, and also I found it just a... um you know, it's a little bit of a like, 
I kind of hate to use this term, but it's very like lit ficky, right? It's like very kind of literary fiction, very much about like this sort of like broad cast of characters in this, you know, kind of very human drama, even while it features, you know, aliens and all this stuff. It's a very kind of like human level story in a lot of ways. Um, You know, the world does not get saved in the end. (laughs) Quite the opposite. (laughs) Definitely not. Yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, I guess, you know, it's not an adventure story. It's rather, it's like a story about people people's lives. And, um, that was, that was nice. I mean, I feel like I personally have been reading a lot of that adventure story type stuff. And this was a nice, um, you know, kind of like, it's just different than that. And it was at the same time. Um, yeah, I mean, having, you know, so many people again, we're like spoilers from the get go, like a lot of people die in the end. And like having <laughs> yeah. just lived through like pandemic in New York City, that was a little bit like rough <laughs> at the end there. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there there is that, you know, maybe we should talk uh, content warnings before we get too deep into it. There's definitely like a lot of death and violence. Um, a lot of like, you know, just like very real depictions of like the aftermath of colonialism, um, depictions of like, uh, there's some like historical bits of the novel that deal directly with like, um, violence done towards slaves and the life of slaves. And, uh, they're like, like black slaves in, um, in the Caribbean islands in particular. And, um, yeah, what was I think that like that was most of it in terms of actual content. There's also you know there's like sex violence that kind of typical stuff. I mean it's like R rated, but I think in terms of actual like more content warning type stuff, that's what I'd call. Yeah, out. I think uh, for me the most intense part was there. There's like a, a like a scene where a female slave, or actually she's an alien, but she's posing as a slave, is like I feel like she's like hung up and like whipped naked or something, mm-hmm. and then hanged, and right, it was exactly. not a sexual violence scene but it sort of felt like it was going to be it definitely had a lot of that um yeah feel to it there were a couple of scenes that like could have become sexual violence none of them ever right i mean she's like an oppressed naked woman being like with violence being right uh upon her by like a bunch of men so right. you know <laughs> right exactly but she's also like a you know essentially like she's an alien with like superhuman strength and like abilities and so like there's also this element of like i know it's very interesting reading it where it's like both definitely that and then also this almost like kind of like relief at the end of the scene because she's like okay well i let you guys get that out of your system and now i can like pull myself off the tree and like go back to doing what i'm doing <laughs> you know which is like you know it's a very it's a very interesting you know I, I guess we can talk about whether that is like useful or sort of like trying to have your cake and eat it too <laughs> in terms yeah, of yeah the, the whole like aliens posing as humans things i definitely have uh, thoughts on that but right well yeah so where do you want to start in terms of like like that's as good a place as any to start we can also you know i feel like major themes we'll probably talk about the like colonialism, post-colonialism, et cetera, kind of like aspect, the invasion story of it all. Um, I was surprised by how much sort of stuff about religion there is in it. And, you know, I think that might be maybe worth picking up or maybe not. Um, And then, yeah, the like aliens posing as humans and exactly what's going on there is sort of, I don't know. I feel like I haven't read that a whole lot in, in, in modern novels. I feel like I, 
am familiar with it. I'm not sure why. There's a couple of, like we talked about last time, like pulpy TV shows, one I can't remember right. the name of, that was very like the aliens pose as humans, but they're like sort of shiny and you don't really know why. I'm was not that, really big that on... V or whatever? Wasn't yeah, it was. I was going to say it's that girl, the, the girl from Firefly. Um, right. Who Marina yeah. <laughs> Baccaron or I don't know how to pronounce yeah, her yeah. name. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it in general. I did. So, again, Lagoon did the same thing where the aliens show up and they take on human form. Mm. And in that one, I felt like it was really forced. Like one of the main characters is a marine biologist and like she like takes a a cheek swab and looks at it under the microscope and is like of the alien. And she's like, oh, it's metal particle like or yeah, metal particles and like comes up and I'm like, you're a marine biologist. How do you it? It was very (laughs) like far fetched. But I did at least in this book, like I don't know that it was my my favorite way to have aliens. But but he came up with the thing with reefs. Um, mm-hmm. which was nice because it seemed kind of believable, but also wasn't super explainy, you know, like you said, it's, it's really not a heavy handed book with, uh, right. like explaining a lot of backstory or science or uh, anything. So for me that helped, um, with this one. So I was kind of, because of that, okay with the, the human form alien thing. Right. Yeah, no, that's actually really good. I hadn't even considered that like, oh yeah, no, the reefs are totally this like science fictional, you know, like alien like technology thing. But the way it's presented is so like matter of fact and more about the way that it like feels to have these things instead of like what mm-hmm. they are or how they work that I kind of like almost, how the whole book is. Yeah, right. Exactly. I kind of almost like forgot, like in some ways it, you know, it's obviously a science fiction novel, but it just doesn't read like so many science fiction novels do where it's like really trying to like, it is. Yeah. It's almost kind of a literary fiction novel with aliens or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which like, you know, I don't want to make that sound as a, you know, insult to either literary fiction or science fiction just like you know kind of like the genre it fits in is definitely the like literary end of the world i liked it too i mean like you know like i said i i enjoy literary fiction i you know don't read like a whole lot of it but i do read it and so it is nice to sometimes like I don't know, have a book that's actually about characters and people living their lives and like things yeah. <laughs> happening to them instead of them like changing the world, which so many books seem to, you know, kind of like feel, especially I think like genre books often like tend to have this like almost feel like they have this need to like, you know, if you're not saving the world or ending the world, then you're not like writing on a big enough scale, which is like, I don't know. Sometimes right. it gets yeah, exhausting. <laughs> I can't totally decide if I felt like this book was character driven compared to some sci-fi it it or a lot of sci-fi it definitely is like they're not um just like represented representational plot devices or Uh something they're developed a little bit like and and they did feel believable in some ways they felt maybe a little bit shallow or some of them like yeah I don't know that they were the best characters I've ever read but but it was, yeah, yeah. I completely agree. I completely agree. It was, yeah, I, that's why I'm trying, like, I keep trying not to use the phrase character driven because it's like the characters don't actually drive the plot. They are all like real characters. But they, yeah, there is something like, you know, I don't know if like shallow or maybe just like, you know, not like like all the characters are are relatively like broadly drawn because you don't spend all that much time with that many of them. Right. Like Derek is like the closest thing we get to like a main viewpoint character 
in that he probably has the most viewpoint chapters, but we get like plenty of viewpoint chapters by like, you know, kind of like, like all the major characters get at least like one or two viewpoint chapters. And it doesn't really tend to like stick with anyone for all that long, except for like Derek kind of in the middle there, just because, and that seems to be less like he's the main character and it's about him and more like, Oh, he's actually touching all the different plot pieces at those points in time. And so it kind of makes sense to like, if you stay with him, yeah, you get to see the most things going on. Uh, And then when that's, whenever that's not the case, you're just not like, he doesn't, you know, he's not a viewpoint character till like a third or even like more of the way through the novel. And then like stops being one towards the end as well. Yeah, I actually, it was maybe about a third of the way in when his job with the ambassador started. I had to sort of check for a minute and make sure he was who I thought he was. You know <laughs> right. how sometimes 100%. like like names, even, even a perfectly normal name to me, like Derek, like uh, I don't always pay that much attention to him. I just get the idea of this character. Yep. And then he was suddenly like in a different role and I was unclear about time passing because I feel like he'd just been in college and it yeah. was it, that was a little confusing, so I had to make sure it was him. But uh. yeah, no, I definitely the beginning of the book, you get a lot of names thrown at you really quickly, and they are all very like you know, I don't know, like typical American name, right? Like none of it is like oh yeah, it's like yeah. you know like this different <laughs> culture, and it's not that at all. It's purely like there's so many names thrown at you so quickly, and it's unclear because it is just people kind of like living, you know, they're like the novel starts with like a little bit of like almost kind of cliched and like lampshaded cliched, you know, like professor, like maybe having an affair with one of his students thing kind of at the beginning. And it's a little bit like eye rolly. And then like the professor, I was glad that was a fake out kind of hundred percent. I was really worried. It's like, if the whole book's going to be this, come on, man. (laughs) But yeah, I wasn't big on that part either. (laughs) Yeah, no, but I mean like, I kind of like the way I did it. almost enjoy the way uh, the book handled what was uh, Jackson was his name, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like yeah. the way it handled him as because like both like he's doing it. He's like, man, I'm being such a sleaze and this is such a fucking cliche. And then like he mm-hmm. breaks up his whole marriage and gets the shit end of the stick of all of it. Well, meanwhile, his wife finds like another hot wife for herself. <laughs> I don't know if in the end I got the impression he didn't break up the marriage. Like he sort of it more like there was this little thing and he didn't really like go for the whole affair thing, but it made him, you know, like want to break things open and like, oh, I want to go travel for a year or whatever and his wife's like what the hell but then she's kind of also been dealing with you know these like she's attracted to her coworker alice and it so i I got the impression that maybe kind of he like opened the door for her to be like okay well this isn't like what we talked about so now like that deals off and uh i can go do what i actually want and i'm going to and then he was like wait but (laughs) that's not what i meant (laughs) right right but it's always easier to be like that's not what i meant like after the fact right yeah (laughs) (laughs) but there was a point she i i wish i i laughed out loud exactly one time while reading this book and i don't tend like i don't tend to laugh out loud a whole lot in most books but it was when um like he was like you know (laughs) it was it was like (laughs) You know, he's like, oh, I think I'm going to like go to the States and like travel and work for a little bit. You don't have to wait for me if you don't want to. And she's like, well, how long are you going to be? He's like a year, maybe two. And she just yells at him. Two years. Go fuck yourself. Two years. (laughs) And I just like cracked up. I was like, yes, that's exactly the like response that that deserves. (laughs) 
Right. <laughs> Two years, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Which I don't know. I, I enjoyed, I don't know. I found the like, I found the characters all enjoyable, although I don't think I like super related really hard to any of them. And I think largely mm-hmm. because of this kind of broad sort of thing where we didn't spend a whole lot of time with any of them. I feel like the most I related to anyone in some ways was, um, I have related is even the right, like the most I liked any of them was Lee, like Derek's Yeah, for sister. sure. I was going to say Lee also. Yeah. Yep. Like she just kind of like, I don't, I don't know if you felt this way. I felt this way. of just sort of like that feeling of like being kind of stuck in a small place, like, you know, sort of like, not sure if you're into it, not sure if you're not, don't really know, like, you know, what else? We grew up in the same town, Adrian. Yeah, right. Well, you know, not everyone has these feelings about Homer. Some people really, really love it still. So, you know. I mean, I came back, but I definitely had that in the, like, I left for a solid period of time before, before I could deal with, like, appreciating the fact that this is a wonderful place, you know? Right. Uh, Yeah. Right. No. Yeah, for sure that aspect of Lee. uh, um, I didn't really consciously think of it that way, but like, she wasn't like an unreasonably angsty teen. Like there was some like reasons for her to have totally uh, traumas and stuff like her best two best friends dying. Or was it just one? I can't remember. I think just the one. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then, then everyone else dying later, but um, (laughs) um, yeah, but she was the most, I mean, she was, you know, had a, like a little bit of sarcasm. She kind of wasn't totally like uh, overly like kill all the aliens, but she was also with her brother being all buddy buddy a little bit like, you know, what the hell? I don't know. Yeah, she, she was. She had a good head on I, her I, shoulders. <laughs> yeah. And it's maybe more relatable. Someone who's not going to be extreme in any direction. Uh, you know, she might tend towards certain things, but right. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, she was cool. I did. I, you know, I enjoyed Jackson's story, even if it was also the, the weirdness of like Jackson and, um, Jason, what was his, what the like name he went by, uh, Jamma or something like that. Jammy, something along those lines. Who are we talking about? Uh, we like the guy who spit and hit in Jackson's mouth near the end to like save him, but who had also had the like weed farm and like, like roosters, like in that one, that one chapter. I didn't realize that guy was earlier in the book. I must have missed that. Yeah, he huh. was the guy who was like in a relationship with like a, a female of the alien species and his um his weed farm like burnt down and his like rooster escaped. Oh, yeah, that's weird. I like completely forgot about that scene until you just mentioned it. Right. Uh, it took- and I have memories of it that I wouldn't have even realized were like from that book. It because was- it kind of just disappears from everything else, doesn't it? It does. No, it only comes back there in the very end when he's like, oh, my name's Jason. But people call me like, I think it was Jama or Jama or something like that. It I was something like that. Yeah, yeah. It. Okay. Yeah, um, that guy. Right. And the, you know, I don't, I don't know. Something about like, like I almost kind of want the like, you know, adventures of jackson and and jama like after the fact you know like this sort of like weird odd couple guys who like survived this thing being like geez you know what are we up to now right <laughs> the like stoner and the professor <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know yeah i was almost i i found a lot of the characters to be especially for like uh the the way i super vaguely thought of the u.s virgin islands before this which wasn't really I knew almost nothing um, and Mm -hmm. still don't know that much, but 
everyone felt I think we talked about this a little last time everyone felt so like middle class suburban right um, yeah uh, which is not a bad thing, especially if that's like where the author's coming from and that's what he, you know, can, mm-hmm. can present and relate to. Uh, but that was one character who was at least a little different than, you know, the wife or the husband or the grandmother. Or, right. You know, like right. Fit those sort of. Yeah. Well, I felt, you know, it's funny cause you, you had mentioned that middle-class suburban and there's definitely like something to that, but there was also this element of like, you know, like isolation mixed in with middle-class suburban, right? Like I just think of the, the, the grandmother character, Henrietta and like her sort of like extreme like belief and also this sense of like, you know, kind of like, like she has this one hand, she's like really like strong and like really kind of has held this family together through like multiple generations, right. Through like fucking, like she held her mother together. She held her like, Mm -hmm. children together she held her grandchildren together you know she's been like this matriarch for just like generations um and then like in other ways has this own kind of like her own very small view of the world like unable to ask for help and this sort of kind of like you know this devout belief that is in some ways I don't know. It's not even about the belief. So like, like in some ways it's very much this way of like, you know, like shutting the outside world out as opposed to like having something positive to believe in the way that it like presents yeah. for her. And she's also like kind of mean to the like kids that she raises. I mean, like for sure. She's yeah. Kind of <laughs> shitty to them constantly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she is like getting older and sicker. So, I mean, it didn't go into it, but I sort of imagined it like they didn't really seem to hate her. It, right. it seemed like maybe she'd just kind of gotten a little maybe minor, if not dementia, just like the effects of being sick and old and sad and uh, right. not being able to take seriously the problems of the young people who need to do anything other than make her her bush tea. You know, right, like, exactly. Which, like, you know, I get them. it. But, yeah. Like I probably also <laughs> in her situation would be like, what the fuck yeah. are you kids going on about? Like go outside and make me my tea. Damn it. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about this before this conversation, but she also, it'd be interesting to know kind of more about her. Cause she's probably, I assume she's from St. Thomas. She probably has a lot more like deeper cultural, uh, memory, you know, of like some, right. of, like, uh, some, some harder times, um, out there. And so, especially right. with the aliens showing up and, you know, she's super mistrustful of their technology and like for better or for worse, like, you know, so she's, she's really sick. I think, does she have ovarian cancer or yeah, something, something like that? Like and that. Uh, she's offered cancer, a, a cure essentially. Um, but it's from the technology that the Ina brought, right. uh, and she's so distrustful of them. And obviously she's like, right about them. Uh, right. but she would have lived if she'd accepted it, you know? So yeah. that's kind of a, yeah. yeah. Is that how you pronounced it? Ina? Like I was trying to wonder yeah. in my head, cause in my, in my head, I, I kept think saying, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. and I was like, that can't be <laughs> I, uh, correct. <laughs> I listened to a couple podcasts and interviews with the author over the past oh, couple great. weeks. Okay, um, cool. Just, I, I wanted to get more of an idea like about him. And, and so, and yeah, I also wanted to know how to pronounce that. Right. So, uh, I, I'm pretty sure he said Ena or okay, something. I'm very really glad because yeah, that. I was like in my you know, <laughs> I do this when I read. I just like see words. I don't like say them out loud necessarily. And yeah. then like at some point, I realized like, oh, the thing in my head is just Ena, and like that's not. I don't think that's <laughs> what he meant for that. I think it's Ena is what he meant for that to sound like. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, they were. I mean, like 
we should maybe talk a little bit about them. Like that was such this interesting kind of dynamic where like they came from a world where like at one point they had been the hunted and like turned that around and had this kind of like, it was so interesting to have like an alien species that are like while more advanced also has like a really strong ideology and like a really toxic Mm -hmm. ideology, right? Like I feel like oftentimes science fiction, you know, like a book that I, I would compare this to that we actually read I mean, December, so not that recently, but, you know, relatively recently, um, you know, only like 30 years ago as COVID time goes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, Was was Childhood's End by Arthur C. Clarke. Mm. And like there, the aliens are sort of like a combo of like all knowing sort of like benevolent overlord types with a combo with like a dash of like, you know, unknowable like mystery behind the curtain like you know so technology so advanced it's magic kind of thing and you just can't know anything about them mm-hmm. whereas the Yuna had like a identifiable ideology that like they named right like this idea of the lesson like the lesson is that like you know they will survive no matter what it takes to do so and no matter who stands in their way which is like a really you know yeah. awful kind of ideology <laughs> right right it's weird because it's like it is uh horrible um but he also gives like the background kind of and uh like it doesn't justify it but like you can see where it comes from Mm -hmm. um and like you said yeah they were the hunted and i really liked the scene even though it was kind of random and like the only one where mira is back uh with her mother you know on the home planet yeah she's being taken to see like the bones of like I think like multiple other species they killed. I don't know if it was like all at once in a massacre or right. uh, over time. And they just had this big uh, sort of graveyard, except the ba- bones were exposed. Um, so it was like a really visual, like this is what happens. Like you don't have to die, but if you fuck with us, you will. Right. I mean, it was like a mass grave. Right. And definitely has this kind of like Nazi imagery or something going on with it. Yeah. Of like, you know, while while their ideology is not one of like extermination for the like sake of it, right? Like they don't exterminate unless they like think there's a reason to, there's a threat. But they also have at least as like as a species, the their ideology has no like guilt about it. It seems like Yeah. the end of some of the individuals might. There's Mira obviously, but then there's the ones that um at the end when Jackson gets on the boat, you know, and he's like, why are they not killing us? And he realizes like they're, they're just interpreting their orders literally that they're supposed to kill all the men on the Island. And we're right. not, we're like not on the Island, a hundred feet right. off the Island, you know, like it, they're, they obviously, if they didn't care at all, they probably would have just killed him. I don't know. Well, maybe, um, but then that, that kind of gets to this thing of like, like they take the orders so literally because like it, ultimately is so impersonal and like doesn't matter at all to them yeah i guess it could go either way either they're it can the book it sort of says they're showing mercy or that's what he guesses right um but you could also be right too that it's almost like it's like a program they're executing and the men on the boat don't fit the parameters right i mean it's sort of like so I have been at war with the ants in my apartment from time to time this (laughs) spring and summer um and you know like I I sometimes like I some you know there's this thing where like so like I've had a lot of ants and they have been like a really major problem in a way they like never have before I don't know why but for some reason they're like all over the place um and it started this spring and so I've had to actually like 
you know, like get chemicals to like take care of them. Right. And it's like, you're the lessening them. I absolutely (laughs) am the lessening that like the way I put it with my friends is like, you know, like, cause they came back and it was like, Oh, you know, like the first genocide didn't take hold. So I have to like do another one. Cause the way you take care of ants take care of even this like fucking language I'm using is that like (laughs) you get these ant traps, which is like, essentially like sugar and borax, which they eat and then it's kills them, but it takes a long time to kill them and it's very toxic. So what they end up doing is they eat a bunch of it. They take it back to the like nest and then they like feed it to the other ants and then they're all eating this stuff and then they're all like, they die out in mass. Right. So it's literally like chemical weapons to genocide the Mm -hmm. ants. And it really does feel like being at war, but also there's this thing of like, you know, you kill those of them that you kill. Those are the ones in your apartment, but I just don't like even think or see the ones out. So like, like I'm not going around smushing ants, right? Like I don't care about any individual ant. Like an ant is not really Mm -hmm. even enough for me to smush it unless it's like on something that I don't want it to be on. And even then sometimes I just brush it off. But like, I'm also perfectly willing to like mass genocide them without even like thinking about it that much. (laughs) Right. So the men on the boat are like the ants that are like right outside the door, like in the hallway and you're, you're just like, I don't really care. It's It's like like, not worth. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You got into the hole and you're out the door. Like I'm not going to go after you. Obviously that would be, or you don't even notice them. Right. Like, like, yeah, whatever. that would be effort for a thing that ultimately doesn't matter in the individual. And I think there's something (laughs) of like, kill all the like killing 25,000 people that Mm kind of has that element of it of like not even like it's because you don't even like think about it like you can only like do things in those numbers when like the individuality of it just like doesn't matter at all I think I think that was some of the like that was one of my takeaways of the book is that like you know I don't know. I also, I, I thought a lot about, you know, I mean the like kind of current and like ongoing, you know, political unrest happening in America right now. And this sort of, yeah, I think that's definitely relevant to this book, even though it's not like a perfect analogy, right? It's not a perfect analogy, but it's also like not an imperfect one either. in that like, you know, like again, you know, sort of like, the history of like slavery and like, you know, African Americans is such that like they did not choose to come here. Like, you know, Europeans like stole Mm -hmm. them from their land and brought them here and subjugated them. And like those structures, while it's not necessarily as like, you know, it's like not to say that there are like no black cops or whatever, obviously, but like those structures still exist. Right. And those structures are a lot of what people are like rallying against right now. Um, Like this kind of like systemic racism and these like structural powers of like the police kind of like getting to act with impunity. Right. I mean, this idea of like, you know, I mean, this is one thing that happens is like the aliens like murder people kind of like not willy nilly necessarily, but also like it happens regularly. And there are yeah, no consequences yeah. at all, right? Like, and that that piece of there being like no consequences or even really like, you know, like Mira gets up there and is like, oh, we're really sorry about this, you know, but like, what are you going to do? <laughs> you attacked us, you know? I mean, like, come on, guy. And like, right. like, that is just such the kind of like police response to this of like, well, you know, if the kid hadn't been playing with a gun, we wouldn't have shot him. And it's like, what you doing playing, like fucking shooting kids in the first place? Like, why are we not asking questions? questions about that and i yeah, think in that some ways i feel like oh sorry go ahead no 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 please please go oh i was just gonna say yeah like thinking about about it uh this way 
almost is a better analogy for me than colonialism for this book. Like I was expecting a really, um, the way the the reviews and like the blurb on the book where they made it sound like a really, uh, straightforward allegory for colonialism. And I didn't, I, I thought it was less of like, it's, it's definitely part of it and mm-hmm. important, but I, it was less on the nose than I expected, which I was actually glad of because anything on the nose is usually like not great. Right. But, uh, but this actually like imagining, or at least in my uh, like view of the world, it's easier to, to sort of compare it to this where it's like they're living on this Island and there are these people or aliens who are like around, you don't really come in contact with them most of the time, but they might be anywhere. And if you like look at them wrong, they might shoot you or rip your head off in the case of the aliens. Right. Um, so that's, I mean, in a lot of, you know, and then it's like, some of them are really awful. Some of them are totally neutral. And then there's like Mira who like does care, you know, but she's like in the position where she has to like, like if not, if she, even if she doesn't like believe in what the others are doing, like, yeah, she has to follow the system. Like you're saying, like, I mean, she's uh, very much protect the people from the system. Right. But she's very much this indictment of this idea of like, Oh yes. Like the people in power must like change the system from within. Like, you know, I mean, she keeps doing this thing of like, oh, yeah, I can't do anything about it now so that I can do something about it in the future. You know, like I need to keep my like power now and not like, you know, cause any waves so I can like stay in this position. And it's like, well, right. You know, even if she ends up regretting that, though. Right. Exactly. And I think that's often the thing with that is like, even if you're even if that's not wrong, like at some point, like you build political power and political clout either to do something or like just for for yourself right and like at some point you know like building political power building like social capital political capital is like painful when you have to spend it because then you don't have as much influence anymore but like you know Mm -hmm. if you don't spend it sometimes then like their only thing you're building it for is yourself like if you don't spend it when it's like the right time to like make some changes then like you know what are you building it for and i feel like she kind of like got that a little bit towards the end right totally and and like and i thought that was like a really interesting I don't know, kind of like, like piece of this way in which she was kind of this indictment of like working, like trying to work within the system to make a better system. And it's like, well, it's not to say that it's like entirely impossible or that like, or even that like, you know, there couldn't have been a worse ambassador that made things like 20 times worse. I'm sure there could have been, (laughs) but also there are real limits to like what that can do. Yeah. Yeah. I also thought, you know, I was thinking about this too, like the ways in which this was or wasn't a kind of like colonialism um, metaphor, analogy, like exploration, whatever you want to call it. And like, yeah, I think in some ways in particular, like the way that like it felt almost less like colonialism is maybe like not quite the right way to talk about it so much as like American imperialism and like the way that like, Mm -hmm. you know, the sort of like, Right. And it's not just American imperialism, right? There's a lot of these like islands in the Caribbean and as well as in the South Pacific that are like these kind of like weird territorial holdovers where, you know, I'm in the U.S. Virgin Islands, the American Samoa, Puerto Rico, like all of these places that like are a part of America, like they are American citizens, but they also kind of like have this weird kind of half sovereignty of like having some 
like self-governance and then also this governance that happens from the American federal system that they have actually no say in whatsoever, right? Like they don't vote for president. They don't have senators. They don't have representatives in the house of representatives. They don't actually have any way of like influencing our like federal political system, but they are still like under the yoke of that system. And like, there was something I felt about that with the aliens too. this idea of like, you know, this kind of ambassador, this sort of like, you know, this role that is like in kind of like half it there and half not, you know, this sort of like, yeah, we'll give you your own self-governance, but, you know, and we'll also like, you know, send you medical supplies or like whatever. Right? I mean, like this yeah. thing that America does to, you know, I mean, Puerto Rico after the hurricanes of like, you know, we're going to give you, you know, some aid, but you got to really like grovel for it and like be thankful for it or we'll be like well why are we even doing this as opposed to saying like oh wait why is there like you know a state that would be like what like one of like the the in the like top third like of terms of like um population of states in america that has no representation that our american citizens are not treated like it who's like you know government is like under the yoke both of our federal government and then also these like you know kind of like private equity and like other like finance firms that like you know own all their debt and like in ways that they wouldn't be able to of like you know an actual state's debt and this kind of weird like both you're more sovereign and like less sovereign than a state. Both you have like, you know, kind of like more individuality, but also less ability to work within a system that a state does. And like, I I felt something like very much like the aliens felt more like that than they did necessarily like, you know, European colonialism in like, you know, Southeast Asia or Africa or whatever, where it felt more kind of about that kind of like, you know, more modern, type of political structure in some ways, which is like an outgrowth of colonialism, but it's not like colonialism per se itself. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. I I can totally see that. And especially he kind of even um, like at the end, once the aliens leave and they've Mm. killed all the men on the Island. Right. And most of the legislators of any kind on the Island were men. I think it says there's one woman right, left right. that was on the, um, mm-hmm. what do they even call it? Like their council? Their, I think it was their Senate. Senate. Yeah, I think it was, it was their, their Senate. Senate. Okay. Yeah. It's the same. Um, and so like on one hand at first when that happened, I was like, Oh cool. It'll be this thing where it'll like open the doors for all these like local women to get into government or whatever. And it, it sort of said that, but then they were like, actually they just sent in a bunch of, you know, like people with like the proper experience or whatever right. from the mainland. I USA mean, they sent who a bunch of men. like Yale political science grads essentially, which is what they always do yeah. in these fucking <laughs> cases. Right. Like I know some of the yeah. fucking kids who went over there to like rule over this place, you know, even though they'd never been before. Right. And they have no experience of the local issues or any of these things. And um, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's literally what we did in Iraq right after the war in Iraq, where we sent a bunch of like folks from like the Heritage, in- Heritage Institute and other like think tanks. Like, again, these like essentially children, like people in their like early to late 20s to like go and like build a new government with like, you know, who are picked for their like ideology <laughs> as opposed to like 
experience with the local culture, like being from the local culture and any, like anything like relevant to it. Yeah. We have this weird idea that like, it's like our, even our young educated people are worth, uh, you know, like 100%. they don't need, ex- it's like the Peace Corps. You know what I mean? Like right. we can send 22 year olds straight out of college off to help some organization, you know, in like Africa or Asia or somewhere. Right. And they're like going to be useful somehow. And I say that as someone who like, I wasn't in the Peace Corps, but I did exactly that kind of volunteering. <laughs> right. Like after me, I think they replaced me with a Peace Corps person. And so I like, uh, and I remember talking to my, my, uh, the American boss there and we kind of came to the conclusion almost. It's not like I, I don't think I had any influence or did mm-hmm. anything good, but I don't feel like I was super effective at what I was doing. Cause I had like zero experience. Um, and, uh, you know, like as, as a way to like send our people to go like, bring back cultural experience to our country at school or like on an individual level, it's like you'll go and like learn a lot, but like the idea that, yeah, it's helpful. And, and it's almost at least with the Peace Corps. Yeah. We're not sending them off. It's it's like, yeah, not like diplomatic, um, importance or, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Uh, I think there's a lot of this (laughs) kind of problem of like American NGOs going to places and, you know, not actually like, integrating and like helping local structures, but trying to build their own and and like, you know, their own like non-governmental kind of like structures without a lot of oversight or, you know, accountability to anyone local and sort of like being like, yeah, we can do this better. Right. And like, you know, a lot of like American aid kind of takes this form and it's, you know, again, I, I, I just thought this thing of like, you know, on the one hand, yeah, like, you know, Grammy Henrietta dies because she like won't accept the like alien technology. And ultimately like it was mostly benign and like, you know, like good for humanity to have. But then on the other hand, like the power structure that came, like she wasn't wrong about the kind of power structures that come with that. Right. That it's this like technology that we don't understand that we can't really use for ourselves. And that ultimately is just about like, you know, buying this soft power, like the aliens probably like, can't easily and like don't even particularly like want to go through the hassle of like wiping all humanity out while they're like trying to essentially do the scientific research to make themselves immortal like they like that's a lot of bullshit to deal with so what they would do instead is like apply the soft power and like you know america does this europe does this china does a lot of this Mm -hmm. now although the way china does it is really different you know they do it like their aid comes with a lot fewer strings attached in terms of like human rights and government structures and a lot more more strings attached in terms of like making that money back and like getting certain like, um, you know, kind of like more, uh, straight up like economic benefits from it than, than we ask for normally. So that's, you know, has its own problems that way. But yeah, but like, this is like, this is common for the great powers to do right. To, to like, Mm -hmm. you know, move around the soft power in the form of like money and organizing help that like really comes with a lot of strings attached. But like, if you're local on the ground, like, you know, oftentimes it's like an, an offer you can't refuse kind of situation. <laughs> yeah, totally. A cure for like all the cancer. And, um, I mean, they don't even, they don't really explicitly discuss a lot of the technology that, and I assume they're sending it all over the world. It's not like just St. Thomas or else St. Thomas would suddenly be becoming like a superpower in the world. Right. <laughs> which I, think, I think that was the so, idea was that like everyone gets yeah. it and we get St. Thomas in return and like, you know, right. 
uh, you know, like the, the United <laughs> States federal government's going to take that offer in a second. Like, I think he even kind of like right, yeah, kind of mentions that of like, yeah, of course they do. They don't give a shit, <laughs> you know, right. take this island. We forgot we had it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's kind of, it's like one of these things where it's like in some ways a really simplistic metaphor and in other ways, like, uh, you know, a fairly rich one because it's not just trying to be about one thing. Like it's sort of rather yeah. it's this like, what does this one particular power structure look like? And what are the like, yeah, what's this power structure look like? And what are the, you know, effects of this power structure instead of like, what did this previous power structure in his human history look like? And let's just make a like one-to-one recreation of that. Right. That's why yeah, it's I- like both of, like it's a government, it's police, it's like all these things kind of wrapped into one because that's what like stuff looks like today. Yeah, I feel like like a lot of these ideas were sort of like half formed in my head before we had this conversation. So this is cool and helpful, but it's making me realize I think this would be a really easy book to like to to read, especially for someone like me who like knows nothing about the place. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, like, uh, I mean, I guess I'm not really mainland American. I'm Alaskan. So, but, but I'm essentially like a suburban white American right. girl, you know, right, totally. um, I mean, like, oh, that's the weird thing about yeah. Homer's. It's both very off grid and also very not at yeah, the same totally. time. But, um, it would be like someone in our book club a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Lagoon, actually, because that one, a lot of people had a hard time getting their head around um, kind of like, OK, so it's it's like Lagoon is also like an explosion of action. Like, I, yeah. I think I decided it would make a really good comic book, but it's really and it's like superhero-y. There's like magic and witchcraft oh, and aliens right. that don't make ton of sense. Um, and like I, I enjoy like I'm really glad it exists. But um, anyway, uh it, it was it was a lot but also we just discussed the idea of being like sort of like a like maybe a culturally lazy reader or or even um uh maybe just ignorant in some ways like it's you know you if you read things at just face value uh like i think both this one or you know we were talking about it with lagoon it's kind of hard hard to see like someone who hadn't read on the back of this book, like this is an allegory for colonialism could just read this as like a story about aliens or and people, you know what I mean? Right. Um, right. And in some ways, as I was reading it, because I expected it to be such a strong allegory, like I, I was, I almost, I almost wanted it to be more explicit kind of, I'm like, where is, you know, I was like excited for all this, but, but in retrospect, like, I think there was a lot of subtlety to it. And like you're saying, it was not as direct and about, um, maybe a different kind of colonialism than we're sort of used to talking about with like India or something. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, you know, maybe, you know, I don't, I, 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 I in some ways I'm, I'm hesitant to say this cause I don't want to like, you know, defame anyone for like, you know, the hard work everyone put into this novel, but it does feel like that kind of happens sometimes with like a, you know, you have like a first time black novelist. And so like the way you sell that book is by like, Oh, look at like what a, Mm. you know, metaphor this is. And let's like (laughs) really like hit that home. Um, you know, let's dredge up like his traumas as like a thing that we're going to like sell this book with. And, you know, I don't, and again, I, I feel like that's a really like strong version probably of like what's actually on the blurb and everything. But I do think that, Mm -hmm. you know, there can be some of that sometime where like, uh, you know, authors of color can really get like pigeonhole into like, Oh, it's a book about this one thing when like, it's yeah. a book about a lot of things, just like all books are. Totally. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just I want to make it clear, like I really liked the I think it was a really well done book, even if it wasn't like per, my favorite book ever. Uh, if that was happening, I think that was just like in the way it was marketed, not in the fact that it got a claim at all. Right. No, that e- no, easy, that and know. that's exactly what I'm saying is that like it, it feels like a little bit of a disconnect between the like specific way it was marketed and then mm-hmm. like what the book actually was, which was in a lot of ways like a really like nuanced kind of you know not nuanced in terms of like both sidesy but rather like nuanced in terms of like what's really the experience of all the like different people in this and like can we understand them even while we you know also disagree with them and like but understand how people get to these different places and even can recognize they've been wrong right like in the case of mira like kind of this like you know mira feels like in some of these ways like this you know especially going back to the like kind of more historical chapters where she is like working on the plantations and then later kind of like acting as this like medicine woman, like witch type Mm -hmm. person over the like centuries. Like, you know, she has this kind of like, Oh yes. Like individual do goodery kind of like (laughs) vibe to her, right? Like Mm -hmm. she could easily be like the, you know, like NGO like woman, like, Oh, I've come to Africa to help. I'm going to save you all kind of like idealistic. Right. Like thing. fall in love with a local or two. And right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then like recognize at some point, like, Oh, like I can't save everyone. And also like, this is in some way they're like fights to fight, you know, like I'm this outsider in this in very real ways. Right. And like, yeah. you know, it's interesting to like have like, you know, cause she was not an unsympathetic character, right? Like I don't think she was drawn it to be fully like, unsympathetic or for us to like judge her entirely for every single thing she did, but rather to like both recognize how her history and her background like brings her to where she is and what decisions she makes. And also to be able to be like, ah, you know, some of those decisions might've even been like the best decision in the moment and still like not the right decision overall, (laughs) like still something to be judged for. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think in, in a lot of ways she was an important character that way, even though like in, in terms of the plot, I feel like there was a little bit of disconnect. Like she was somehow like the only one like this, or at least that we saw. Right. Um, like we have like all these like like super almost like robotic seeming, at least in terms of their relating to humans. And then I guess she spent more time here, but um, so so like on like a writing level and a story level, I feel like there was a disconnect. But in terms of like the themes of the book and right. stuff, like I feel like that is an a, a important point to make that like not every sort of diplomat or um, yeah, like, you know, starry eyed 22 year old volunteer <laughs> from Ohio or whatever is like. uh, Yeah, like they are not like all the bad things that like are involved in that situation, you know, like they, they have, they might have legitimately good intentions and like, that's still important. Right. And, you know, but they also like, they exist within certain power structures. And I think oftentimes like, you know, like intentions are not a, you know, there's like both intentions and also like actions and effects. Right. And like, you can't like divorce mm-hmm. those and be like, Oh, well, I had good intentions. So like, you know, the harm I caused doesn't matter, <laughs> you know, yeah. like which, which I think this, this novel kind of like gets at in that way. It is, you know, it is maybe the one thing that I would have like, you know, if this, n- like in some ways I really appreciate it. You know, I think it was like what, like 275 pages. Something like, it wasn't a very long novel overall, mm-hmm. but like, I wouldn't have minded more 
both of like those historical chapters with Mira kind of like through the centuries, mm-hmm. as well as just like, like the brief stuff we got between the aliens was really, really fascinating. And I think also really did a lot of work to dig into the fact that like they were ideological and they were also kind of living within their own like structures and their own sort of, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, like we talk about like whiteness or like, you know, patriarchy as these kind of like structures that people live within that are like harmful, like ideologies, both for like, you know, the people they oppress, but also for the people who like live within, right? Like whiteness is like harmful to white people. Like white supremacy is harmful to white people. Patriarchy is like harmful to men as well as to women, even while it's more harmful to women overall. Right. It's like a structural oppression thing, mm-hmm. but it's still like harmful to everyone who deals with it. And like, I saw I felt like we got almost like glimpses of that with these with this kind of like like viewing this sort of like this historical trauma that like led to this like toxic ideology and the like way that that kind of plays itself out through their generations and how like it really harms them in this way. And like, I would have loved a lot more of that. Like I would have loved a lot more chapters of like the aliens interacting and more like, you know, it's like, yeah, I agree. Like these aliens who like come down and like, you know, end up having relationships with humans. Like what are those relationships purely that of like pets? Is it something like, what is that relationship to them? Mm -hmm. You know, like I would have been really like fascinated to like, dig into that a little bit more than we got to because we got like glimpses of the edges but you know yeah i think that's one of my bigger like not even a critique of the novel but like what i like maybe would have felt like i had a more complete experience Mm -hmm. by the end if we had gotten some more of that and some of that i mean he's so good at describing things um like, you know, simply, but like viscerally that I think like even a little bit more, like you said, the little we got did a lot mm-hmm. and a little more would have done a lot more too. Like, it's not like we needed the whole backstory of their entire race or anything. No, I did think, um, like their reason for being on St. Thomas, the, uh, what the Ein Alta, is that what it's called? Right, oh, right, um, right. That whole thing was a little like, uh, like if he'd given more on it, then it might've been one of those things where it seemed super cheesy, but it kind of did anyway to me. Like that's, that's another kind of one of my big critiques is like, they're there searching for like what, like the Holy grail of like immortality. And they don't really explain how they're doing it for, so they need all these people to be there, all these, um, Ina to be there to do it. But then in the end, it's Mira who like somehow just ends up with it. And then like presents it no one else knows that she's it's not uh, so apparently it's not like a group effort where they would have all known that like they were on the precipice of developing it i don't know Um, i got the sense that it was actually totally her work and she'd been working on it the whole time she had been there and that like right the the folks who showed up the the ina who showed up were not doing it in order to like help her with her research but rather to like manage her because they were worried about her like going off script a little bit right like I, there was like so many of them i like, know it does, i know it felt doesn't it, make a ton of it sense it didn't make a ton of sense i agree i and agree. also she was the ambassador also like how would she have time to apparently like according to derek like sit at her desk motionless all day long like doing nothing i think that um, was her but i think she did all of her work through the reefs right like there was that thing of like oh. like so i think that was that's when she was sitting motionless 
was she was doing that work in fact that was the Mm. sense that i got at least was that like she was in some sort of like virtual reality world that the reefs like could like like she could tap into through the reefs like the reefs were both like biological but also like cybernetic in some way and could afford like communication Mm. and like you know you know like they were computers essentially gotcha yeah well yeah like on one hand if he'd given a lot more than it might have been too much like i sort of like and i understand that the book was about like mostly the human experience Mm -hmm, of this mm -hmm. whole thing um so maybe like we don't even know need to know like why they were here it's enough so so like i kind of get that but there was just something about that that i felt like uh was a little i don't disagree with you right i I actually (laughs) completely agree with like it it, it was the one place where it could have been and I think it could have been teased out, not necessarily by being more like info dumpy of like exactly how it worked, but by exploring their ideology a little bit more. I, I think like or that's it could have really... just been something else, like other than like immortality, like right. Uh, like I know that like ultimately Earth became super important because they felt like they might get it here, but but like the same exact scenario could be happening even if like they were just getting research on something not like the holy grail you know what i mean right exactly exactly no i think i think you're right about that and it was sort of like you know i probably one of the things that takes the book from like a you know sort of like i don't i mean like i really like the book and i don't i don't want to like rag on it too much but it was the sort of like some of the like kind of like imperfect or like rough around the edges kind of pieces of it was was that yeah part. i mean it's his first novel and it's great so yeah like, it's I, yeah. way better than a i'm lot willing of first to accept <laughs> as i'm willing to accept it as it is but like yeah i can't help mentioning just a couple totally, of those little totally. things i'm kind of like huh yeah i mean but i yeah. did enjoy it. one thing i did i realized this at one point reading it like it was um like one thing I enjoyed about reading the novel was that any time a white person was mentioned, their whiteness was mentioned. It was like, Oh yeah, this was a mm. white guy. Whereas like that wasn't the yeah. case with anyone else. And I like recognized it at some point is it's like, Oh, this is this kind of like, you know, this is like inversion of what like most white authors do. Right. Where it's like the only people whose race is mentioned are folks who are like not white because it's like a character trait for them. Right. I mean, in this case, we're in a place that's going to be majority black. So it like right, makes sense. Right. But, but it's also but it yeah. felt a little bit kind of like, you know, it made sense and also felt like a little bit of a like, come on, this is kind of silly, isn't it? Type thing, which I, which I kind of I, I appreciated. It felt like a, like it, I didn't notice it at first. And when I did, I was like, oh, that's interesting. This is like what other people feel like when they like read novels where like, you know, everyone's race except for like the main characters is like mentioned. The main characters are all white. I, I don't know. I feel like I, I would um, agree with you if if it was like uh, a super diverse like U.S. city or something, right, you know, right. but um, I mean, even like when I'm in another country and it's mostly like not white people, if I'm referring to like a person that I met, I like might mention that they're like. It, you know, if not white, like they're a tourist or right. a foreigner or, or, or like an expat. Right. Or so. Like that would he be, also that used would be all like, of those terms too. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, like I that do hear you. Sort of made sense to me, right. but 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 I, but you're right. I mean, it's 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 interesting, even whether or not it's like a critique. Right. Yeah. Of, maybe I should yeah. I, I shouldn't you know ascribe any sort of like you know intentionality on the author's part and like pretend to know what he was thinking so much as say like my but yeah, my it's weird having everything totally like, inverted you know, on like, you. Oh, this is like clever and interesting, and also like I I kind of appreciate you know it like <laughs> it also it sells something about seemed, the world okay. you know that to to. Yeah. do that like it made it feel very natural to be like oh yeah no this is like a place where it's like it is majority black like those places like do exist and they are like normal middle class <laughs> experiences right they're not some like yeah. oh totally foreign thing necessarily it might have seemed a little mild to me because like i mean when i was in tanzania they do this thing where when a white person walks walks past they just yell white person in swahili <laughs> like <laughs> um which is mzungu um and it's like this weird thing you just have to get used to. And like, I've thought about the psychology of it so many times. Like, right. why are you mentioning it? We all know. Like, is it just that like, I'm different and you would like to talk? Like, sometimes it's friendly. Sometimes it seems kind of angry. You know, sometimes it's like children like throwing sticks. Sometimes it's children wanting to hug me. It could be like anybody for like any reason. Right. Um, but it's just like a normal thing. But then apparently also like, I don't know. In that culture, I, I heard about someone who was like super short, like a local person. And every time they went around, people were like, short person. So um, <laughs> like, I don't know so if that's just really people like... People have no filter. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but... Um, but yeah, you know what I mean? I'm like, when you think about racism and then you, yeah, you like flip around like who's what. And there it's weird. It's because it's like white people are still seen as privileged, but they're the minority. So it's right, like, right, exactly. like, like I, I experienced being a minority, but it's like a different thing than being a minority like here. Right. You know what right. I mean? It's because, not an oppressed yeah, minority, right? Like it's that, it's that it thing. It still of, makes it socially hard, right. but yeah, it's a weird Right. Um, well, yeah, especially in a place that like, you know, like European colonialism was a thing until like in yeah. living memory, like, you know, plenty of people alive still remember when it was like that. And so. Right. Anyway, so I doubt that St. Thomas is a place where when a white person walks down the street, they scream white person. But like, right. anyway, so, right. yeah, but, but mention, might... you know, in a place where. I know it does sound like there are a lot of tourists there. Like it mentions cruise ships at the beginning, but right. it doesn't sound like there are maybe like a, a huge amount of like, it's not uh, impossible for a white person to be living there. Like I'm unclear about Alice. I don't know if she was white or just from out, just from right. Just Al not a local. She was, what was it? it was, she was like, her father was a, a light skinned Brazilian, I think was what was called oh, out. It did, or something it did like mention that. her yeah, race. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Like, um, you know, I should actually call this out. So we, this is, um, uh, Tobias Buckel came on the podcast and like talked specifically about like Caribbean science fiction, um, hmm. like a, a while ago. It's a really interesting episode. It was part of our, um, it was sort of like right around the time we were, we were reading Binti and, uh, you know, it was kind of our, our first time having a guest on in any capacity as well. Um, but it was really interesting to hear him talk a little bit about like race in the Caribbean. And uh, I, you know, I don't want to like speak for him in any way. I'll just like mention that that's a, that's a, you know, like mm -hmm. that episode, he talks about it a little bit and it like kind of interesting. Cause he's, um, he's biracial and like grew up in the Caribbean and like talks about like, you know, the ways that in different places he is like coded as different races, depending on like mm -hmm. where he is and like who is seeing him and like what he's doing. Right. And so it can be this thing of like, 
you know, I think it often gets to, it's like, we think of race as like, I think especially in America as very sort of like black and white of like, you are a specific race. Um, and whereas like also like, especially for folks who are biracial or multiracial, it's like where you go, mm-hmm. how you interact, like race can be in some places very, like you can be anybody or no one fit in, like not fit in just be, yeah. Right. Exactly. And then also yeah. there's stuff like, you know, language that ties into that. We're like, obviously like language is not like a biological thing in any way. It's like a, it's yeah. a cultural thing, but like also like a lot of race is also not biological, right? Like, well, and he actually, in this book, like in, uh, uh, one of the slave scenes early on when Mira like first shows up, I think maybe it was her first time round kind of. Right. Um, and she's a slave on this plantation and she meets uh, the other slave that she ultimately falls in love with. And uh, he asks her like, like where she's from and like what language she speaks. And you realize like, uh, it, like everyone, you know, so St. Thomas has maybe become a majority, like kind of melting pot of like a similar, right. but every, but ultimately they all come from like, their ancestors come from totally different countries and, you know, um, right. Exactly. Right. Well, that was a a common thing in the slave trade was, you know, they would like try to break up people into like groups where they didn't speak the same languages necessarily, where they weren't from the same places. Um, so that it made it harder to organize, right? Like it made it harder for like what happened, which was this like slave rebellion to actually happen because they, you know, the white, minority as it gets called out right in the book like the the whites on the island are like a minority but they have all the power and they like own everyone and it's a sort of scary moment of like oh no as soon as they like you know the slaves realize that they there are more of them and once they are able to organize once they have like you know leaders and like an idea of what they want to do and how to do it like it becomes very scary for the like ruling minority at that point right um I definitely was like cheering on the rebellion to some degree. It was like, yeah, get them. <laughs> which, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that was the like, you know, response the book wanted it's, me to have, but it was definitely uh, in like 2020, the response that I, I had. <laughs> totally. It's always interesting in like, I feel like in a lot of movies and books, I've encountered scenes with slaves where they're like, I actually don't remember if it happened in this book. Like they, they're like murdering their masters and there's like, yeah, it did you know, the masters there, right? are awful, but then there's like their families and you're like, well, you know, thinking about like those people are awful too, but like when, if it's like the children, uh, you know, they're Mm -hmm. kind of like, they, they would have become the people who are enacting this at some point. Um, but like right now they're sort of being raised into it and it's not like their fault yet. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, so that's super complicated. Pan's Labyrinth handles that in a really like fascinating way. Do you do you know that movie? The um I do, but it's been a long time. Right. So at the at the I'm gonna spoil the very end. I hope that you know just everyone skip ahead for two minutes. <laughs> do you mind if I talk about it? With you? Go for okay, it. Yeah. So um, you know at the very end, the like you know because it's set in the Spanish Civil War and like the you know like the one of the main like villains is this like you know kind of like fascist like general in the like Spanish National Army and he's you know he uh he has this like son and he has this watch that he always carries with him and he's like i'm going to like break the watch whenever i die so that my son knows the exact time of my death and like you know he eventually gets like cornered and captured by the like you know rebellion army the the communist army and they you know as they're like 
you know, he's like, oh, I know you're going to like, you know, execute me. But like, and he breaks his watch. He's like, give this to my son, you know, this like baby at this point. So he like knows what time I died. And they like take the watch. They just throw it away. They're like, he's not going to know your name or that you ever existed and like shoot him. Right. But like, they don't like harm the child in any way. But also it's like, no, you don't get a legacy. Right. And like, that seems to be this kind of like, okay, well, that's one way of handling it at least of like, you know, not giving yeah in that case i mean they're sort of they're doing that child a favor also right exactly exactly (laughs) but like and i think there's something to that of like you know like these rebellions you know and and many revolts of across the you know not just like slave revolts but like communist revolts and like all these sort of things where it's like you can revolt against you know like very bad structures and like you know there will be some like probably innocent bystanders in that like no matter what happens but there's also this way that you like choose to interact with that and i think that the you know that piece of like not giving them their legacy that they want to have while also that doesn't necessarily mean like literally killing every last man woman and child is like an important right like yeah murdering babies on farms in kenya or whatever white babies yeah it's like exactly it's like in some ways like i don't uh, yeah super complicated um right i don't support killing babies but i also don't support like uh oppression of right right <laughs> other of cultures, entire so like you yeah. know continents <laughs> by like a small number of european powers so there's got to be a middle ground i'm <laughs> right. sure some people have found it but a surprising number of people haven't right, so right um, you know it's like ultimately i don't yeah. know I, I am definitely on the side yeah. of like ultimately like you know how many black babies were like killed in those oppressive structures as well? Totally. I think that's yeah. important. I mean, that's, yeah, I don't totally condemn it. Right. It's, exactly. Uh, it's complicated. It is complicated. Yeah. And like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm glad I've never had to be on either side of that. And like, hopefully never will. Absolutely. Although with the way things are going, we'll see. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen now. Right. Oh yeah. That, so totally turning, uh, changing the subject. Yeah, yeah. If that's all right. Oh, please. Um, Another Let's thing get out that of really stood out to mind. me. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't say the wrong thing. Don't say the wrong right. thing. Um, I know I'm uh, problematic. I'm sorry. <laughs> at least we're attempting to be self-aware right. and open-minded right. and exactly. conscious about it. That's the best we can do, I, I guess. Um, uh, oh, yeah. So totally different subject. Um, yeah. At the end, like after all the men have been slaughtered, Um, I thought that was an interesting time in the book. And also like that really resonated with me with like with COVID, Mm. like you were saying, that was sounded like it was a little bit um, tough for you. I have I have not experienced COVID the way you have because I'm in a just a place with a lot less people. Right. Um, But and we're not in the aftermath either. People are not done dying but i but Mm. i i appreciated the way the book dealt with just like the feeling of like like all the all the men died the aliens left and then like life has to go on yeah right and like how and and, and i think uh even lee runs into the mother of the two teens who like who maybe they're not teens i can't remember but um teens yeah i guess a teen and like he might the other one might have been 19 or 20 or something who attacked the aliens and right yeah, kind of set off like uh, the ultimate violent mm-hmm. um, slaughter. And it says that like, it's just normal with everyone to ask. I don't remember what, it, oh, to say I'm sorry for your loss. Just automatically. Right. It's like, hello. That's just you know, like hello, uh, right. Everyone's, everyone's lost someone. Um, right. And just, yeah, the feeling and then like, 
Uh, you know, there are boys back at her school, but they've all come in from other islands and they don't really have this shared experience. And yeah. I mean, that'll be different because everyone in the world is going to share this experience to some extent. But yeah, you see a little um, bit of that, though. I mean, like I've seen even like with my friends and, you know, like a lot of people left the city in March. And like, I, you know, I, I know a lot of people who are really like upset about that. I don't blame anyone for leaving personally. Um, but I do like, you know, one thing I have seen is that. And this is not any of my friends in particular, but like I have seen people where they left and then like, you know, kind of came back once it felt like safe to do so. And like sort of like are very cavalier about that Mm. or sort of like, you know, maybe especially the more like, well, really wealthy people who like came back and are like, you know, my neighborhood is like, you know, there were like some riots here and like, you know, shit went down while I was gone. And like, you know, now some homeless people have moved in and like, Oh my God, what is happening to this entire city? And it's like, bro, it's not happening to the entire city. It's happening to the part of the city that you fucking abandoned. Right. Like, like whole swaths of the city were literally abandoned by the people who lived there. And like, yeah, what do you expect? You know, like, (laughs) what did you think was going to happen? Um, and like, you know, I, I, I definitely have seen some of that of like, you know, and I think it's more the like lack of self-awareness around that more than anything else. You know, again, like I don't, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who left and I like fully supported all of them in doing it because it was not nice to stay here. Um, it was a bad time right. and like there was no, you know, the government was not doing anything to like protect people here or elsewhere or like prevent people, right? Like, you know, there was no good communications on like what you should or shouldn't do. So you can't expect everyone to like, you know, act in the goodness of like all other people um, or to, you know, and also right. like having kids well, I mean, here in the staying city. there wasn't necessarily going to help anything. Right. No, I guess right. I haven't been part of this conversation no. about New there York. There was a so. lot of conversation of like, Oh, the people who are leaving are like, you know, like endangering everyone else, which is like, <clears throat> Maybe true oh, and yeah. maybe also like, you know, depending on where they depends were going on where I, or, and when yeah, and like, you know, whether they actually quarantined when they left and that kind of thing. But I think there's a, right. there's a, you know, yeah, I don't know. I saw a lot of like that kind of discussion and it's like, well, listen, like, you know, I also know people who left in like really early March while you were still saying it wasn't going to be a problem. So like maybe chill out on that. <laughs> I, but it was so right. weird. Yeah, and it's it was, like, it is very weird given that like, you know, like a lot of people died here. I, you know, I mean, like I was thinking about it today and, you know, something like 22,000 people have died in New York city, just deaths. Right. Wow. And that's, that's yeah. four homers. Right. Yeah. And like how crazy it is and how like, you know, it is this like, I knew a lot of people who got COVID. I didn't personally know anyone who died, although like kind of like a a, a friend or someone who I'm not really friends with anymore, but like, you know, knew pretty well in college and after a little bit, like her father died from it. And like she and her husband and a lot of other people and their family got it. And I know a lot of, like I said, a lot of people who got it, some of whom are still having like ill health effects like three months later. And it's this really kind of like, not to just mention the like intensity of while it was happening, how scary it was. Cause like no one knew yeah. what was going on. Like I 
prepared really early you know i mean i was like yeah i remember your posts super your on facebook and stuff really yeah, early I and like i honestly February. even remember being like oh come on adrian you you know yeah. but like look who was right so <laughs> i mean you know i my view on and maybe this is the like you know grew up poor and homer like alaska thing but like you know my take oh, on this is often like, like oh yeah like preparing is easy and like hopefully you prepare and nothing happens like that's the best case scenario but like when something does happen then you're very glad you prepared (laughs) yeah totally i guess like as it was developing i mean i was in india in january and february and like like kind of both like on like constantly the end edge of anxiety like before people in the u.s or most people were super worried and i'm like okay it's like january 25th and they just shipped 600 medical students here from wuhan to to delhi where i was you know Mm. i'm like uh you Mm. know like i i I stopped taking public transportation i um yeah so i mean very different than being like in the epicenter of an outbreak like you were uh and i yeah sort of raced my way still like terrifying Uh, yeah just like the whole world um changing around you you know like i was supposed to go to south korea for a couple days like right as that was Mm. like exploding and i was like watching it every day waiting for the travel alerts and then i you know i got my delta to change my flights and i was supposed to go through france instead and then it exploded in france and i'm just like well i just what am i gonna do i just got i just have to go home you know like (laughs) at some point i'm like i got i got back i wasn't like the people who were like on the last flight home or you know Mm -hmm. whatever but um but it definitely felt like that no Um, i mean it felt it felt very weird and like you know i don't know there was something about this book that like got at that feeling of the like aftermath of like the kind of like everyone being a little bit of the walking dead or just the world change i mean yeah because we're not in the aftermath yet at all so that's uh important to remember and sometimes hard to remember Mm -hmm. as like uh you know like things open up and it's like Mm -hmm. i have these weird moments where i like forget you know um and i'll be like about to like walk into the post office or something and then i'm like what am i like i I gotta go to the car and get my mask you know like uh right exactly (laughs) uh, these super super weird moments or i like am talking to someone i'm like oh yeah well you should come over and then i'm like wait no we no, don't you do definitely that shouldn't come over yeah, <laughs> yeah like, right right um so even though different circumstances in this book and uh f- i mean the book is a lot worse than what i've been through i guess in a way not statistically but it's a similar number of people dying in new york and in st thomas yeah but, i mean uh, statistically yeah, it's half, much yeah. worse in the book like no <laughs> question worse. no question and like everyone has a male relative uh um, right, you know so right or a friend or whatever. Uh, but yeah, just the world being different and walking around and rec- recognizing that like everyone has and probably will even more so as this goes on, uh, like some trauma from mm. this major thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and I know. think that was, that was the thing that really stuck out was the, like the trauma after the fact, like the, you know, mm-hmm. Like I notice how on edge I am when I hear sirens in a way that like sirens just sort of were like the backstop of New York city life, you know? And like now it's sort of like, Oh shit, what's going on here? Is it the cops? Is it, you know, more fucking COVID cases? Is it an ambulance? Like what, what is it, you know? And as well as, I don't know. There's just so many little things like the way, but also this way in which like people kind of come together. I mean, like, 
it's tough. It's like, it feels like there's sort of like several different worlds in New York city. There's the people who are like going out and like hanging out at these like restaurants outside and acting like, you know, like, Oh, this is great. I can <laughs> drink outside now. And it's like, no about That's, that. Yeah. Similar dynamic everywhere. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, I am pretty okay with hanging out with friends outside, but like the whole point is like also socially distanced and wearing masks, like not yeah. outside <laughs> prevents you from having to do those things. Like that's not the, that's not the right way to look at it. Yeah. There's a weird idea that's like following a set of rules or like if we're allowed to do it, then it must be okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Is like a, right. I don't know. Are, uh, did you, read or hear about um our governor of alaska he's he made an analogy at some point when we were having a spike uh of cases a while ago and he said he was not going to shut down the state again um and he compared it to like i, I think his point was that like everyone needs to like do their part and just do it like he, he doesn't need to mandate it which is so dumb. I mean, he's pretty right wing, right, so it's yeah, a whole no, thing. But um, but the analogy he made was he was like, if there's a tsunami, then we would join hands, or like people would be willing to join hands and go meet it. Um, that's not what you do in a tsunami <laughs> situation. So you and Which, I, of course, well actually, know. then we just had a major tsunami evacuation right, a couple weeks ago, too. So, like, um, <laughs> right when a tsunami uh, comes, the government tells you it's coming, and everyone goes to high ground away from it. <laughs> Right. So, yeah, like I, I'm still a little confused if he meant like uh, everyone do your part and just picked like a really poor, like didn't think it out. Or if it's that thing that like there were some uh, governors and stuff saying like early in the pandemic that was like the old people are willing to die to save the economy for their children or whatever. Right. Like, I don't know if it's that kind of an analogy, like we'll go stop the tsunami with our bodies so that like th the world can keep churning. I, I mean, know. I would like to some extent say well, it's probably like neither of those. Cause like so little thought has gone into what it actually means. <laughs> right. It's just like, <laughs> like ascribing too much meaning to some of these fucking people in power as if they yeah, like, maybe have that's any fair, idea but, of what's um, going on is maybe too much. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I will say the one thing like at the end of the book that like got me was, um, that, that, thing you brought up of like everyone you know being like you know sorry for your loss as a greeting like I noticed this especially like you know not even just early, but like the first couple of like when it was really bad here in New York City like you know I was still like seeing friends just over zoom and like you know doing a lot of socializing over zoom or skype or whatever to like friends here in the city so it was like other people going through the same thing and in a lot of ways other people who had it worse because my part of queens is like less dense where some of my friends in like brooklyn it was just like you know sirens all over the place that kind of thing and um like we'd always start out the conversation being like, hi, how are you? And then like immediately regret asking that question. Yeah. You know, it was just yeah. such this common question to ask. And it's like, oh shit, well, I'm awful actually. <laughs> and like, I also don't yeah. want to say that because it's all I ever think about. And like that kind of like piece of like, like, I, I don't know, like, I forget exactly, but like the girls at one point were like, did something kind of similar. It was just this moment of like, yeah, I'm fine. And like, either that means that I like am actually holding myself together or I like want to kill myself. And I just like, don't want to say that out loud. Right. And like, that's a very like, <laughs> yeah, man, like yeah. I definitely have maybe not what they like, you know, killing yourself piece with COVID, but like definitely like know what that thing is of like the I'm fine can mean like a lot of different things. And like, you know, 
maybe it's actually what someone says when they're like hanging in there, or maybe it's what they say when like, they're not at all, but like they just can't deal with other people knowing that they're not. And like, that's a very real, like, you know, kind of like post-traumatic situation, like response to it, you know? I mean, yeah, even here in like March and April, you know, we weren't having people dying everywhere, but we didn't know like if we were going to get hit super fast or, you know, so I mean, just kind of like everywhere, like as it was coming and uh, at least everyone I knew and it was less political then, you know, like I would say probably 90 percent of people it seemed like were hunkering down pretty well most things were shut down and um, it was also winter here so it was like you know you get on zoom or on the phone or have an interaction with uh someone like i remember i was in quarantine because i was i was sick and i didn't have covid but like and i had um uh, to have a prescription delivered to my house. So the local pharmacy started doing nice. that at that time. Yeah. And yeah, like, you know, when you see someone and they do that, like, hi, how are you? And then there's that moment of like, but the standard reaction is just kind of like, you know, and everyone's like, yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. I do know. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's definitely, uh, definitely that was word for word. The like way I responded to so many you know, how are yeah. you? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't got to tell you how I am because we're all equally shitty right now. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> well, yeah. Sorry. I maybe should have apologized before dropping that subject on no, you. No, I mean, it's fun, <laughs> but, like, you uh, know, I'm fine. I know you're used to dealing with <laughs> tough things in this podcast right no and you know i mean it is new york has gotten a lot better than the worst of it and it is gonna be with us for a long time both i mean like you know the disease itself but also just like the emotional kind of like terror and like baggage that came with what happened here at the same time you know i have my health all my friends have their health like you know it could have been a lot worse and i'm i'm you know I do like at this point being able to kind of like grapple with some of it. I will say the shittiest thing was I played like I played a lot of video games during lockdown because like what the fuck else are you mm-hmm. gonna do you know and um <laughs> I played uh I played um I bought the Spider Man like PS4 game to play that because I'd heard a lot of good reviews of it and I was like oh that'll be fun because it's like an open world set in New York City I can like web sling around oh, New York geez. City even if I can't like <laughs> you know walk around the city like I thought this would be fun it turns out a major plot point in that is that like you know like Doc Ock releases a super virus and everyone's walking around the city <laughs> wearing masks and there's like riots against the police and all this stuff's going on I'm like I can't fucking believe this is the game I'm playing right now as my like escape. yeah. I think for book club we picked uh well it was red moon which isn't like super pandemic-y but there is a scene where they're like walking through a wet market in china and there's like Mm. there's like bats and and i don't know it was very uh yeah just kind of like oh god you know like like having a hard time (laughs) with this one i yeah i think like i i you know i was talking about i forget who i was talking about this with but like the question came up of like when will yeah, like there was this point in time where like, oh, a, you know, a, a, a super virus just as a plot MacGuffin to an action movie. is like a kind of like common mm-hmm. thing or science fiction or whatever. It's like, oh, we got to like make sure the virus doesn't get out. And it's like, that's not going to be a MacGuffin for like how, you know, like, like that, that, that as just like this kind of thing you can throw out there as like, oh, it's the thing we're got to save is like yeah, not going to be as easy to do in that way. It's like, you're not going to be able to do that without actually examining what that means for a long time. I think, Mm -hmm. 
as well as also any disaster movie that doesn't feature half of the population just ignoring the disaster because they don't yeah. believe it's real will like not feel real at all. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think that's um yeah, a really good point. It doesn't apply to the lesson so much, I guess, if like the the giant seashell full of aliens is like right in front right. of you, then although there honestly, if, like, I feel like if it happened is here, normal though with it, right? It's like oh there yeah, is. there's aliens, you know. Well, what do you, yeah, what do you do? I mean, I feel like I'm guilty of it with a lot of things or, uh, you know, I talked to friends who are like going to protests and being tear gassed in Portland right now. And I'm like, I feel like I should do something, but I'm in Homer, Alaska. Like, what the hell can I do? Like, I'm sure there is something. I don't know. Um, What does that even mean uh, right now? Uh, yeah, but, um, Right. I forget where we started with this. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. I mean, just like the, the world's, world's kind of shitty fire right and, now. Uh, <laughs> this book brought some of that yep, up. So. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, book. Like, no, but it did it in a very like real way, which is, you know, not all books I've read since COVID like have. Sometimes it's, you know, like that Spider-Man game, right? It's just like very cavalier and like, oh, yeah, Aunt May dies of COVID. And it's like, fuck you, Spider-Man. Fuck you, Spider-Man game for making <laughs> me deal with this as if it's like a fun plot point instead of like deeply mm-hmm. traumatic and like, you know, really something that, you know, will be with, I mean like the, you know, will be with the people on this Island for a long time, you know, anyway, yeah. I feel like the I one, mean, yeah, it's Oh, tr- go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. Ahead. I, was, I was just going to move on to the last thing I wanted to bring up before we finish recording. Yeah, let's okay, do it. So that is, um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but over the last couple of years and really within the last like four or five months, the New York Times has been doing all of this reporting on the like U.S. government's UFO like. Like agencies, because apparently like this is not something I've kept up. Yeah, on, so yeah. And it, it's got, it got me thinking about like, you know, aliens come and people get scared for a little bit and then just going about living their lives. And it's like, oh, yeah, also like like the most recent article was published, I think about like six days ago now. And it was the, uh, the, the, the two main investigative reporters on this story, like talking about what the, what, what the story is and their methods and like why they're going about it. And, you know, they're the, and the question they got asked was like, well, do you believe in UFOs? And their answer was like, well, UFOs are not a matter of belief. It's a matter of fact. And the facts of the matter are that the, you know, U.S. government has like multiple like agencies devoted wholly towards like the understanding of like these unexplained phenomenon that are, you know, like military, like Air Force personnel, like routinely report Uh, from what we can tell. Like there are materials that they have in labs that like no one is able to like you know, describe or understand and that like, you know, appear to be like not from this earth. And like, there are people in the government who like fully believe that they're not from this earth. So like, what do we believe? Like, we don't believe anything. We're just like following this case where it goes. It's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like what? I'm sorry. (laughs) Like they had, yeah, that's interesting. They had this slide from this, um, you know, from this, this like declassified slide deck that has been used to like, you know, buy people from these agencies to like, you know, kind of like brief senators and stuff on what's going on. And it's just like, you know, and it's essentially like, you know, like, yes, we're like looking at unexplained phenomenon. Like, yes, there are like materials that we have like captured that we can't explain. Like, yes, we like, you know, one of the potential options is like extraterrestrial origin of these things. And it's like, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> like as a kid, I always <laughs> yeah, like loved kind of UFO stuff. And now it's like, you know, this is such a blip that like you didn't even like know it was happening that like, oh, yeah, aliens. I, might I remember be seeing some videos like what were they released by the Air Force or something? Right, of some- right hovering things a couple months ago but i didn't really delve into because of this investigation like finally like Mm. you know kind of like forced them to like they they were they were what was happening was was like the air force acknowledged that they were real videos and that they had no explanation for what was happening um and that it was not in fact like our government doing like research it was like fully unexplained phenomena so you know you know what that means i don't know is it actually aliens Normally, I would say yeah, probably not at this point, man. I don't fucking know. <laughs> you know. Yeah. The the thing with like, do you believe in aliens? I mean, apart from, yeah, like that is crazy. And I'm going to have to look into this more after this, uh, after we're done right. here. Um, like actual evidence existing and our government having it, which like both surprises me and doesn't, I guess. Right. But uh, the biggest surprise do you believe is they in like aliens kept an actual being... secret. Like, good job, guys. I didn't think you had that in you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. Um like, do you believe in aliens as if like, do you believe in God or do you believe in ghosts? And then I think, I think of things like, uh, I don't know, Carl Sagan, I believe said something along the lines of like, it's just a statistical like likelihood. Like there's so much out there. It's like, it would be insane to think that like, we're the only ones. Um, a hundred percent. I think there's a very strong likelihood. I don't really feel like it's the same conversation as like a, like, is there a God unless God is an alien, but right. Well that, you know, we're all living in a simulation (laughs) God's computer programmer, man. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) You should start this podcast with that, and then you're going to get a totally yeah, yeah, very different audience than my (laughs) typical one. We'll see by this point. You know, I just I you know, (laughs) I went full COVID truther in February, and like got ended up being right, and now I'm going full UFO truther. Let's see, let's see where that goes. (laughs) You're you're the new prophet. Yeah, right. Oh, I hope not, because uh, I'm the biggest pessimist, and I am always hoping I'm not right about things. <laughs> well, all right, so I think that's what I have to yeah. say about this book. It was good. I hope people read it. Yeah, yep. I think my takeaway was like, you know, there there were some things I wished for more of, but that's not a bad problem to have. Mm. And it was, I really enjoyed it, and it was surprising. Yeah, so. much better than things you I'm wish for less of in a book. Like I'd always rather be wanting more than wanting <laughs> <Yeah>. less. <laughs> totally. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and on one of his po- the podcasts I listened to with an interview um, with this author, he talked about his next book, which sounds interesting uh he didn't say a title but it sounded like it was gonna involve like monsters i think he mentioned both werewolves but also like local virgin islands um kind of cool uh you know mythology or something involved Um, is he from the virgin islands i couldn't tell from the like biography i read yeah, his parents, I think, are from St. Thomas, and he was born in the U.S., but then uh, he was born in Maryland, but then moved back to St. Thomas and spent pretty much most of his life awesome. there. So, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah. And then he went and got his MFA somewhere else, I believe. Yeah, but. I think it was like somewhere in the South, I think I, I read. I saw that. Cool. Well, excellent. Yeah. I, I'm anyway, so yeah, look out for his next one. I'll right. definitely read Send it. Send me uh, one or two of the podcast. I'll put it in the show notes uh, that you listened to and you liked with him. I always like linking that kind of stuff if you remember. I'll see if I can yeah. find them. I honestly went to my podcast app and searched for his name and listened oh, nice. to some episodes. And uh, there was, but there was one that came out like two days ago and he said some interesting stuff. It was more about the writing nice. um, than the politics. But, well, folks yeah. should do that in their podcast apps. It will probably be like three weeks ago when this episode actually publishes. <laughs> 
<laughs> right, how yeah. kind of far behind July 29th I am. is the right, one I'm right, talking right. about. So yeah. So we'll be kind of like cool. embarrassing to know that this is going to go up like almost a month after we record it because I am behind. Sorry, <laughs> I'm trying to do my best. Cool. That's all I can do right now. That's all anyone can ask yeah, of well, anyone. Yeah, thanks for uh, letting me do this for oh, a month. No. It was fun. Thanks for coming on, Lydia. Yeah. This was a ton of fun. I'm glad we got to <laughs> we got to hang out and do this. I always love having you yeah, know totally. Homer folks. It's been nice to catch up with you again through this. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, I will say thank you to WJ for our music as always. Thanks to everyone who's stuck around and listened so far. Um, no idea what book we'll be reading next month or if we're even like reading books on a monthly schedule right now. Yeah, everything's a little bit up in the air currently. So we will be posting our books as we can. We will be posting the um, book tour episodes as we can. B is still working on those and they're doing a really great job. I've been really excited to listen to all of those. And um, yeah, again, thanks, Lydia. I guess we'll, you know see everyone next time i don't know how to end this podcast i hate doing the outro (laughs) bye (laughs) bye (laughs) cool